And welcome everybody to episode 103 of the CarCast. I'm Owen Newkirk alongside Sean Shapiro. Tonight, we go with a jersey number three celebration of our good friend and former colleague, Doug Litzer. Yes. He is a longtime number three wearer for the Vancouver Canucks back in the 80s and early 90s before he went to the Rangers. And of course... He was part of the Stanley Cup winning team for the Dallas Stars, although he was really a healthy scratch in Black Ace at that point. An old vet for depth back in the days of the no salary cap. Yeah, go to Market Center. Sure. We're navigating ourselves without using uh, our ways for the moment because the ramp was closed. The ramp that we usually take to get on I-35 was closed. So mm-hmm. you could take Oak. I mean, it's you know it's over there. Yeah. So I think we'll take Oaklawn. You want to go Oak- Oaklawn? No, right. kidding this person. Yeah, he's jaywalking and doesn't care. Yeah. So here we go. Seems like anyway, kind of how the Dallas Stars approach tonight's game. Um, by the way, before we get to Stars and uh, St. Louis Blues, why did we pick Doug Litzer? Well, Doug was the assistant coach for the Texas Stars for the two years that I was there, mm-hmm. and you were there. Yep. You were there longer than two years, but your first two years. Yes. Stars won the Calder Cup in 2014, Doug's second year, assisting Willie Desjardins. Um, great, great human being. Hilarious, um, quirky. Uh, I had a great relationship, and we used to play uh, Bluetooth video poker against each other on the the plane. We would get a, do that with our cell phones. Ah. So a lot of fun with Doug. I really I mean, enjoyed my time with him. We'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the Doug Litster baseball helmet. Yes, the old John Olerud uh, first baseman. Helmet. He got a baseball batting helmet without ears. Yep. And wore it at practice to protect his noggin, which actually is a pretty smart idea if you don't want to wear a hockey helmet. Yeah, and kind of the fu- it's a funny story behind it because um, if you're coaching uh, youth hockey, you have to wear a helmet. The USA Hockey Rule. Yeah, right? there's a rule. You must yeah. wear a helmet. Yeah. So um, Doug, when he was, but when you're coaching high school hockey, you don't have to. Um, and so Doug, when he was coaching in Michigan, he was doing uh, doing some youth hockey. Yeah, Victory some, Honda. He yeah. was the director for that yeah. youth program. Yeah, and he was also helping out with high school. I think he's doing teams. that now. I think that I think, think, he that, I think he's back to doing. I think in he, Michigan. Right. But so he was also uh, also he was doing some work with some high school teams at the same the, time. He was he went with Willie to Vancouver for their years with the Canucks as an assistant coach, and then when Willie got fired there, mm-hmm. Doug. I think went back to Michigan. He went back to youth coaching, yeah. So he um, he, he didn't like not wearing a helmet. Yeah, you know this guy's trying to get in the ramp, but didn't realize yeah. he's in the wrong lane. He showed no urgency whatsoever. No, it's okay. Um, you, you have the right of way there. Anywho, um, but so Doug needed to wear, felt kind of uncomfortable not wearing a helmet, and so his kind of uh, solution for both of, of a, something he could wear when working with both the high school team. And, and later in the pros. And later in the pros was the old uh, baseball batting helmet without the ears, and I say the John Olerud because that's the best example I can think right, of. Right, because John Olerud wore that at first base yes. as a fielder, mm-hmm. not when he was hitting. Yes. Oh, did he wear the same one, or did he have one? No, he, the had, he had the ear the flap. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, stick tap to uh, Dougie Lidster. Yeah. Uh, I don't talk to him enough. Uh, once in a while, I'll give him a ring, but... Always a great guy. Love Doug. Yeah. He's just a fun guy to have. So, with that, episode 103 begins, Sean, with a super sour note. Yeah. Not, it began with a great note because we are talking about Doug. Yeah. But then, the game this itself game was, was just not good. Start Pretty much start to finish. As far as, so, <coughs> excuse me. As far as, I don't think it's the worst game of the year. Oh but, God, no! But as far their as their worst game of the year was in Minnesota, I would disagree. I think Florida. Was, oh, they were both horrible. I would think that Florida one was seven nothing. Yeah. They scored some goals at least in Florida. Yeah, but the Florida game was uh, to me the Florida game was even. The Florida game was there was a couple goals at the end that were just Florida didn't care at the end. Yes, yeah. but Minnesota blanked them seven to nothing. That was pitiful. I mean, it, it, we're, it's a division game too. You can you can almost excuse them. I mean, they weren't good against Tampa and stole points against the Lightning in that trip. Then they go to Florida and just are worse. And Florida's a pretty good team too. Yeah. But that, to me, that, I'm telling you that Minnesota game was horrendous. 
to me, the Florida game kind Neither of... Neither of them were very I, good. Neither of them were good, but to me, the Florida game, the issue was you go from getting outplayed and stealing points completely from goal-tender. Tampa because you're goaltender and then show up with that performance the next night against Florida. That's the build-up to me that was the biggest issue. Um, now, Minnesota, if you're in a vacuum, probably 7 nothing. Um, Tonight... Tonight's not the worst game of the year, but tonight, bad. but tonight is one of the most disappointing because yes. of the buildup and what was on the line and and just kind of the whole build into this week of hey, top two teams in the Western Conference, Stars win this one, the two teams are tied for tops in the West, and, and you know, Sean, I wouldn't even be upset if the Stars lost this game with a decent showing. Mm-hmm. But this wasn't even close to, and Rick Bonus said it afterwards. It, that's nowhere near our best game. We are a much better team than what what that was. That's what he said. They didn't show up. It they was, didn't show up tonight. I so they actually had a promising start. Sagan had a good shot from the right circle in the first minute off a uh, shoulder save by Allen. Decent save. Perry had a good look, but it was blocked in front. And then Cogliano was almost had a wraparound, didn't quite really test him. But in the first couple shot attempts, yeah. okay, one quality look, one almost quality look, one. Yeah, they had like four of the first five shots. In the game, and right? then yeah. it was one-way traffic the rest of the period, and really the rest of the night the, until the third period. Yeah, the stars. It, this is a misnomer, and why you got to be careful with analytics because quality scoring chances tonight were seventeen to sixteen by my count. I saw that. I was surprised. And, right. When I saw that. So because what happened was it was sixteen to eight in favor of the Blues after the second period. Yeah. Domination. The Blues scored one and only quality chance. It was that Pareko bomb in the third. Yeah. And then they went on cruise control and said, you know what? Game over. I think so the Stars had eight. I mean, Allen made some great saves in the third. But Dallas caught up in shot attempts, chances, and it made it look closer because they had some looks in the third when St. Louis was like, yep, it's 5 nothing. We're just coasting to victory. So after we got the kind of slight insight into, okay, Jeffrey scored it as 5 nothing scoring chances the other night, mm-hmm. right, in the third period. After we got... Yeah, I, that was pretty close. I, I've been... I had 7-2. I've, I've been kind of like, I, I really want that third metric, because every game, after every game, one thing I look at is I look at your list for quality chances. Right. I also look at high danger chances on natural stature. Sure. And tonight, at all at all situations, the natural stature had the high danger chances of 15-9 to nine for St. Louis. Okay. Um... And right now, remember that some of my quality chances yes, no, are higher up than the high danger because no, there are some. No, I'm not yeah. trying to defend myself. I just want to explain it. There are quality chances, and then there are ones where I put stars by it. Yeah, one or two or three. The save that that uh, Allen made on Esselindell's shorthanded breakaway is a high danger chance. Yes. The save he made on Cogliano. It late in the second period was a high danger chance. For example, the Dickinson power play shot where Allen stole one with a paddle, which yeah. should have been a goal. Yeah, that's a high danger chance. Jamie Alexiak scored a goal. I gave him a. I when the puck goes in, I put a quality chance down because the puck went in the net. That's not a high danger chance. Yeah. So it's. It, it, but I. My point being here was I'd be fascinated. I got. We got that taste. Of like, okay, this is how the Stars goalie coach, and this is how they. You want to see it all. I, I want to see yeah, it all the I time get, now. I want to yeah. see like I'm curious to see what the. You like to compare. Yes. Right, and I'm always interested too because I like it when somebody else that has a lot of knowledge in the game yeah. says, "Yep, we're watching the same game." Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it validates that I'm not completely out of my mind crazy. Yeah. And also sort of says, "Yeah, your numbers are pretty good." Yeah. Um, so first period, it's zero zero, for. A hot minute or so. Yeah. And then the Blues get the first goal. And it's Alexander Steen's seventh of the year, but it comes really because Dallas lost the net front battle, and this would be a real beginning statement that happened repeatedly tonight. Yeah. And it's it's a goal that kind of actually well set up by Jordan Cairo, who will come into play later in the game as well. Right. Well, um, he had he, the first he, he, So he, I he, didn't give a quality chance to Pareko because the shot was yeah. from the blue line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, he rips it. He's got a yeah. bomb. Mm-hmm. Bishop makes a save. Yeah. It kicks to Cairo. He's one-on-one. Bishop denies him. Great save. Yeah. High danger chance. Great save. Cairo goes behind the net to get the retrieval, mm-hmm. centers it to Steen, and Alexiak blocks an empty net. Yeah. 
Then he scores. Steen gets the rebound and scores. Sean, you're a goalie. I felt like, although it was a scramble, that after the save on Cairo, Ben Bishop took a long time to get back in his net. I did not like the... Uh, it, I think there was... Um, that was a... It felt like quicksand. It was, yeah, it was a recovery that Bishop did not recover. And, and, and Jamie Alexia shot block should have been enough time for him to get back that's, over. That's what I mean. Like, like it's, if, if Steen scores on the initial shot, yeah. which would have been the third chance, you go, look, you you... you you, your momentum took you out of the crease to make the save on Cairo. There's no defense. You made a great save. Yeah. You can be excused for leaving the net open. Mm-hmm. But I thought he could have gotten back after yeah. the shot block. So there's both that, there's Bishop, and then there's also the element, too, of Alexiak gets the shot block. That's a moment, too, where I'm trying to remember who else was right there on the play. But it's a little bit of, of puck watching. Yeah, but how do you not... How do you, how do you not clean Steen out right there? Like I know, like that's I mean, even if you why take not the, tie like, up his like, stick? Like even if you take the penalty, like I'm fine with that right there. Have an empty net. Yeah, just like, don't let him score. Yeah, just like that. That's one right I agree. there where it's. I'd I, like to go back and watch that again yeah. because I don't have a good view uh, in my head of what was happening besides like who around that. Yeah. What were they doing? But it, it it was a lot of puck watching, and so it was it was bad. It was just kind of a. It was St. Louis won the effort battle, and they, they persisted and persisted and scored. And I think a constant theme tonight. Constant theme, and that's where the second goal comes to, where it's just another another rebound goal. David Perron, I think it's his 24th of the year, 23rd of the year. It was the 24th. 24th of the year. David Perron, there's a rebound there. He's the only guy that goes to find it, puts it in. Well, it was it was the same thing. Yeah. Pareko took a shot. Mm-hmm. Bishop made the save. There's a lot of traffic in front. Robert Thomas is right on top of the crease. Gets the loose puck, shoves it. Bishop stops that, yeah. and it kicks right to Perron, who's completely untouched, and he's got to tap it. Yeah. Slam dunk. Um, I didn't like how Miro defended that play because he was trying to stop Thomas's shot, and so when it kicked, it kicked behind him, and nobody had Perron. I don't think that's Miro's guy. Yeah. But I would have liked him to have tied up Thomas a little bit better on the previous shot. Is that fair? That's fair. Again, That's fair, yeah. again, somebody else lost coverage yeah. because Miro can't cover two guys at once. Yeah. But so two nothing. Um, we head to the second period, and kind of the onslaught just kind of continues. Like, um, well, that. So here's the thing. I mentioned Lindell. Yeah. yeah. He has a shorthanded breakaway. Does a great job of holding off the back checker. Yeah. Gets the wrister, but Jake Allen for a shorthanded breakaway was a pretty comfortable save. Yeah. Really good save. But if Lindell scores on that. It's 2-1, there's a lift, changes the game, the oh crowd's gosh, in it, yes. I mean, completely different. Yeah. So, to me, that's one of the, the big moments of the game. One yeah. of the most important saves of, it's not his best save, but his most timely save. That's fair. Then, early in the second period, Stephen Johns gets the puck mm-hmm. at his own, about his own blue line, yeah. has a whole lane up the middle of the ice, skates yeah. forward. You can see Robert Thomas chasing him on the back check, but there's a gap. Mm-hmm. Johns is going forward, and you're just screaming in your head, he's coming, there's a man behind you, get rid of it. And we all see it because we're yep. upstairs. Johns doesn't know he's back there. Yeah. And he gets into the offensive zone, and he sees space around him, and he's trying to make a play. He should be doing that. There's nothing wrong with what he did other than somebody didn't let him know there's a guy on his heels. Correct. And Thomas catches him and back checks and pulls the puck away. And that's part one. Part two is he then spins and zips one forward to Kairou, yeah. who's now one-on-one with Alexiak. And Ale- did you see Alexiak shift there? Uh, all of see, it, or see, just the did, end? Did you see why Alexiak had, was, was caught out? No, so I don't he, remember so that part. Here's a key element to this okay. play. When Johns is going in, Alexiak is going to make a change. Okay. Alexiak is going to make a change. So the turnover ca- catches him out. And so he is about, Alexiak is about five feet from the bench when the turnover happens. And so he's at the point where... Which is why when Kairou got it yeah. and he cut back to his right, Alexiak had to stop and change his ankle because yeah. he was on a uh, intercept re- uh, sort of recovery line. Yeah, and so, so Alexiak's at the end of a shift right. where he had he was trying to get off. And the turnover... So that's Another kind of, instance yeah. where the number or analytics will be he was on for a goal against and a shot attempt against, but it really doesn't explain the whole scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting... Like I, I have to, I'd have to get the ISO cam because I'm not sure the exact distance. It's a fascinating um, thought of is that a moment where 
the the numbers are close enough that hey, someone else hop on, and just, just Jamie, Jamie go to the bench. Like I don't like I'd have to. The camera, do, the end camera yeah, 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 yeah. isn't enough for me to see whether it's well, something you see yeah. when you're sitting in the press box, yes. but you can't see yeah. necessarily because you don't yeah. have the full ice. The 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 NFL calls it the all twenty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be interesting if we could get that shot, mm-hmm. the overhead full ice surface, just to be able to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm curious. As a, like as a tool, I, that would I, be fun. I, like, I'm curious. I don't know if Alexiak should have changed or doubled back. I don't right. know because I can't see. How close he was when the turnover happened. Anyway, uh, Kairou scores. Nice shot, low blocker, but it's one that, at that situation, yeah. you really like to see Ben Bishop come up with a save there. Yeah. Uh, 3 nothing, And to me, Sean, that was the dagger of this game. Because the Stars were not good in the first period. No. They weren't. And then... When Kairu scored that, it put. I mean, Stars get the next goal. It's two to one again, and it's you're in a game, three nothing. And then after that, it wasn't like Dallas then started to get into the game. It was St. Louis chance. St. Louis chance. I mean, they would get the. Go moving along. So St. Louis would get the puck in the Stars zone. They would hound and force a very difficult breakout. Stars would either fail to clear it or would be able to chip it out, but would not be able to clear it with possession. Yeah. So now that the puck's in the neutral zone, and usually St. Louis is getting it back at the, at the red line or maybe just behind the red line, they are then going forward, dumping in it again, and the Stars have to go back and start all over again. Well, what happens? If they do clear it out, Bones talked about this the other day, now you're going for a line change. Your whole shift is completely shot because all you've done is gone out, cleared, gone back in, gone out, changed. Yeah. No positive momentum there. Yeah. And St. Louis did that for, what was it, a period of 10 minutes or so without a shot attempt? So the Stars had two two different stretches this game of more than 10 minutes without a shot. Which is not good. That's not good at all. <laughs> no, that's... Uh, but that's also yeah, a testament yeah. to what St. Louis did. And they've done it for three games in a row now. Yes. The Blues found... The Blues were very bad defensively for five or six games. And then they, were, they, they recalibrated uh, and they've been... They were, what, three, five, and two? Yeah. Or something like that? During a, it was one of their worst stretches of the which season. Is, which is why Dallas and Colorado caught them. Yes. I mean, like, yeah. Dallas in the month of February until tonight had made up eight points of ground on yeah. St. Louis yeah. to get within two points of them. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. That's an eight-point gap closing like, in, in half a month. And I, because in really early, early February, I thought for sure St. Louis had this division. It, it looked like there was a runaway. Yeah. And uh, they don't know. No, they don't. But So it, it's... So they get that one. Then, uh, unfortunately, and this is where they put it away. It was. I thought the third one was it. It was already put away, but it was a four-nothing goal. They get a fourth, and it was on a three-on-two rush. Uh Schwartz, right circle. He's a good shooter. He's a goal scorer. Yeah. Want your goalie to make that same? I mean, it was two goals inside the first five minutes. Yeah. And then Ben Bishop's night is over. Anton Hudobin comes in. And when I said that St. Louis kept getting chances after the third goal... They get one after the fourth, and Hudobin made a bunch of saves. Boom, 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 boom. Would you – so here's a thought. Okay. Just tell, I mean, I'm not sure. Tell me, would you have done – would you have switched goalies at the intermission, the first intermission? Thought. I like switch – if you're going to make a goalie change, I like the idea of doing it between periods because it yes. gives the other goalie a chance to get stretched out and limbered up at least somewhat into it before – because if you, in mid-period, you're cold and the other players are all moving. It's something I thought about because I thought, A, I didn't really – Here's the problem, though, okay? Because the first one – the first two goals, as much as I didn't like Bishop's uh, sort of flailing out of the net – it was the fourth chance that went in, but, right? But the other point... And the other one was the third chance, right? The shot from the point, the rebound, and then the... Fo- you got to tie your guys up, right? No, but, so- but to me... But to me... Here, listen to me. Okay. To me, this was the perfect opportunity to pull him because... You could have pulled him. You would have pulled him not because of his play in the first period, but I, because I, of the team, right? Exactly, yes. Okay. And I, I'm also slightly disappointed in his play. Like, like I don't think he had it. I'm more disappointed with his play in the first five minutes of the second period than I am at yes. the first period. But I saw signs of his play that I didn't like in the first period. Okay. So that's enough where I pull him, and in the I moment... I mean, he did come up with a but, really good yes, save right but, late but, in the first. Okay, but still, in the moment, I pull him in the moment and say, hey... We need we need to change something. I can't bench the other eighteen guys. And then and that then, would and be then, the reason why. And then tomorrow, Jeff Reese, I have my goalie coach talk to him and say, "Hey, 
here's what I needed to see a little bit more from you in the first period. I think that was the that's something I would have heavily considered if I was coaching here. So it's easier to say after hindsight of the it's, second it's, period. It's, it's, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that. I think that you feel that Ben Bishop has recovery abilities to clear out bad plays and keep you in the game. It's two goals. Stars are capable of getting back in a game after two. Um, I think you probably should have pulled him after the third. Because yeah, the I team was still junk, yeah, and now it's three. Um, I'm not saying that would have changed it, but I think after the third goal, which I wasn't thrilled with from yeah. Bishop's perspective, even though it was a one-on-one, and a, uh, I, that's the one for me. You're not wrong. Looking back on it now, at the end of the first, just to get the team going, because they were very poor in the first. And, and it's and this, they've done it this year. They've had times where the team's been dead, and they've put they've brought Hudobin in, and they did it in the Minnesota yeah, game like, after the third goal. Yeah, right. So it's 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 was it after or was it after the first period? No, it was after, it was after, the, first, after the first period. Yeah. yeah. So it's it could have been a move. The difference was his different coach then. So. Still the same guy making the decisions. Uh, I mean, I guess no. I do. I do believe Jim Montgomery had more. I think uh, he did too. He took more control of who was getting pulled and when, and who actually started to. Um, I think so too. So okay. Okay, so it's four nothing. Four nothing. Anton Hudobin comes in. Um, Um, Made a couple saves. Yeah, he was Uh, fine. Gave up one goal in the third period. It was a Pareko bomb. Yeah. Uh, Okay. You ready for a fun stat? And I don't know if you heard this, but you saw this. Colton Pareko has seven goals this season. Yep. Four against the Stars. Wow. God, he likes he, – he really does feast against Dallas. Yeah. And he had, what, two in one game that won, right? Yes, he did. Um, so, Pareko scores early one-timer uh, one in the third period. Dallas actually had the first two great chances. Pavelski, stuff shot right at the top of the crease, big pad save by Allen. Yeah. And he had another – Low slot one timer on the same shift. Either one of those makes it four to one. Probably not getting back in the game. But yeah. again, Allen making big saves. Then Stephen Johns after the Pareko goal is in the low slot, gets a one timer. Uh-huh. Allen makes the save there. Dickinson on the power play. Allen comes up with a, I think it was his best save of the night. Not as much time. Paddle, yeah. Paddle out. I mean, it's going in the net. He sticks the, the paddle out yeah. and deflects it. And Rob's uh, Dickinson. And, I mean, it, yes, that's those are all good, but wait, I, to me, it's classic. You game. think you I, think it's no pressure because he's got a big lead? I think it's yeah. To Remember, me, it's a shutout going I, I know, but to me, with from the Blues perspective, not Jake Allen's from the Blues perspective, we're up four nothing. We just played last night. Yeah. Like I, I I'm, I'm easing in. I've eased into oh, first no, no, gear. No, like, no, I don't, no, 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 no. The Blues yeah. completely went on cruise control in the third, yeah. as far as an offensive side of things. Correct. But I think they were. They, remember, they had not given up a goal since the third period of Sunday's game at Nashville. Yeah. They, Bennington had consecutive shutouts. He came in with a shutout streak of 122 minutes. He didn't start tonight, so his is still intact personally. Mm-hmm. The Blues were looking to try to get their third consecutive shutout as a team. I think that meant something. I think but, it means something. But they kind of slowed down. Yeah, they did. They took their foot off the gas. And then, stupidly, like, I'm packing up so I can get downstairs for the postgame show in time. There's less than five minutes to go. And all of a sudden, I'm literally walking towards the the elevator at the press box, not really locked on to the ice surface. Yeah. Because and you hear a cheer, so I'm like, oh, they went in. I had to watch the replay on TV to see how it went in. Jamie Alexiak, this is ironic because I thought Pareko was incredible tonight, has a pretty innocuous wrister go mm-hmm. off of his skate and pass Allen. You know what? From a star's perspective, I liked it. Take the shutout because Jake Allen had three career shutouts, has three career shutouts against Dallas in his 20. Mm-hmm. He would have been four tonight. It looked like he was well on his way toward it. And all right, blemish. Does it change the outcome? No, but eh, I kind of like that. I mean, it was the second most meaningless goal I've seen the Stars score this year as far as reaction. Um, okay. First being the one in Florida where Jamie scored and no one had, Jamie Ben scored, and no one in the building any day he scored. Right. And he, I think he might have known, but that was oh, the yeah. one. That was the one where Bobrovsky actually looked like he made the save. Yeah. But actually had no idea where the puck was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that's it. Five to one. Stars mess with the stats and the numbers because they really mm-hmm. dominated the third period categorically. Yeah. It didn't really matter. Game's no. over. All right, Sean. It's game sixty-one of eighty-two. Yep. It's only one game. But. Is this, I mean, look, it's, I had a caller 
equate it to the disappointment of Game 7 last year and Game 7 in 2016, this is not even close to the same magnitude. So this is not... Is it symbolic? Yes, but it's not a... I mean, it's two points, right? It's, it's two points. There's another game in two days. However, And they'll play the Blues again in a week and a day. However, I do think there's something to... Is this happening right now? Do we have to use the other one? We're... Okay, we're good. I think we're good. Um, he, to me, there is something to. I think this St. Louis Blues team lives in the core of the stars, the stars' core's head right now. Still, I still think the there have been some. Really they have good, some prove it he, to he, do. There are there are some really been some really good battles. Jamie Ben, for example, has really good numbers in his career against St. Louis. Forty but, points in forty-two yeah, games. Yeah, I think he had another point tonight on Alexia. Did he get a point? I think he just so it'd be forty-one and forty-three. Oh yeah, so he. Uh, a lot of really good battles. They've won six playoff games against them. They've yeah. lost. The, they've, of course, they've lost Game Seven. They've lost eight. But but the in, so they're but, six and eight in two playoff series, yeah. both in the second round of the Blues in the last five years. Yeah, but in the biggest games, in the biggest games against St. Louis, and this one is not a Game Seven, but this one was built up and filled up like one. In those biggest games, in the ones that are, hey, these are the prove it. This is the stage where you need to step up. Game six last year where the Stars could have closed them out. Game seven last year. I didn't like how much they got dominated in the first period of a game that's supposed to have a lot on the line. No, and so yeah. the Blues show up and the Stars have not when the biggest Did in the biggest games. Did you see the quote that Jake Allen had after the game tonight where he said that we saw the points were catching up to us and we flipped the switch? He's talking about the last three games. Mm-hmm. That's a scary thought. That because we all were saying when the Blues were going on, they, they had a five-game winless streak. Yeah, they were o four and one or something like that, or o three and two, and it, they had a longer stretch where they had very few points. Right, that's why the Stars caught them and Colorado too, and. We all thought, geez, you know. This is such a fast line. I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, isn't it? it's like I, didn't, I didn't even get off the line before it turned out. went through, too, but like, he definitely ran a red yeah, light. Like, so, but the point is, is that everybody was saying, well, you know, the Blues might be having the fatigue of, you a know. long year. Long year, really playoff, bad. Stanley Cup, celebration. Yeah. It's hard to repeat. The injuries, Tarasenko out since October. Oscar Sundquist has been out for a long time. He's back now. Uh, now they've got injuries with Bo Meester, of course. Uh, Petrangelo tonight, Tyler Bozak didn't yeah. play tonight because he took a puck off the foot last night. And I don't like to say, well, it's so easy as we can just turn it on when we want to. But you know what? When the Blackhawks were at their peak, and I hate to use them from a Stars perspective as an example, they learned into the middle of their run that they could put – sort of pace themselves through some of the months of the season and then get it going late. And for a local exam, I mean, it's what the stars of the late 90s did. Yes, because they were good and they didn't have to empty the tank every night. Yeah, and so to me, the stars are at a point right now where there is some juju emotion. There's something there with St. Louis that the stars have to get out, whether it's... You think it's a playoff series? I mean... It's not going to go to St. Louis in a week. No, it's win no, that game. no. Winning that game in St. Louis isn't, even if isn't, they dominate and won six nothing, it's not going to. No, it does. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Look, the Stars won. What was it four or five in the regular season against the Blues last year? Yeah, but the, the, and me, for most to, of the games, we went. This Blues team isn't very good. Yeah, but to they me, weren't. To me, it's what happens in the biggest games against the Blues when when the when, all right. And so to me, there's something there. So do you think it needs a playoff series? They need to win a playoff series against St. Louis, and I okay. think I think that's what this core leadership group. And I'm talking about the Tyler Sagan, the Jamie. Benz, the John Klingbergs, the guys that have been there through the toughest. To me, last year's Game 6 was a real letdown. Yes, it was. Because and they had a chance to close them out at home, and they lost. Yeah, and so they they need to exercise that demon of what the what the Blues yeah, have in their right. head. And Just like the Stars are kind of in the Nashville Predators. Yes, right exactly. Now. And so I until that happens, the only, they either they need to figure out how to do that to get past St. Louis, or if this team wants to win a Stanley Cup, they need someone else to handle St. Louis for them. Like yep. it's well, and maybe you need and, a little bit of luck in that regard. Yeah, too. but it's that's to me that is St. Louis to me is if you're looking at this Stars team, you're talking about okay, can they make the final? Because that's the biggest thing I'm going to focus on right now. Because we see the Western Conference all the time. Can, can they get through the West? Can they get through the West? If they have to go through St. Louis, I don't think they can do it. That's just like you know, it's funny when they beat St. Louis in overtime early February. Yeah. I was really like, 
I think the tides are shifting because you watch the bigger defensive stars with Alexiak, Johns, Polak. They don't have Pat Maroon this year. And I looked at how much better they were getting out of the zone, and they won net front battles. And I said, wow, you know what, Sean? The stars might have tipped the scales uh-huh. in their favor with the roster compared to last year. Tonight did not demonstrate that at all. No, it didn't. And so I, I, I think... <laughs> We've really pushed the lightning around back, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We used to do it on the switch from 35 to 121 Sam Rayburn Tolley. And lately it's been at your front door. I know. Let's, let's, let's get to it. Let's okay. Get to it. Uh, tonight's lightning round begins a couple hours ago when Patrick writes in, <laughs> is the Nacho Cam song the greatest song you've ever heard or just a great song? Um, I didn't hear the music of it. I was on air. I, I don't know the song. You, I don't know what it was. I've seen the cam. I don't know. There's. A, I didn't know how to. The nacho cam was pretty funny. I've seen it. And I saw they did snackward style today. So they did two of them, which was interesting. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Patrick. I didn't hear the music of it. Yeah. I have my headset on doing radio stuff, so I didn't get it. Justin writes in ideal defensive pairings for next year, assuming no outside free agents added. Who do they re-sign or bring up? Well, the big question mark, of course, Sean, is Thomas Harley. Does Correct. he make the NHL roster? Because he was awfully close. And you kind of get the feeling that if your top four stays the same, Klingberg, Lindell, Haskin, and Johns, you have Alexiak, Harley, and Fadoon. There's seven right there. Is that yeah. is that it? No, that's it. Like it's it's the question is does if Harley makes the team, which I think he will, mm-hmm. then you kind of have that nice homegrown fit of you're looking at this group that and is a decent cap hit for it too. Oh yeah. The um, question I would have is. Jim Nill always seems to go out and sign a vet to make the the, the depth a little bit stronger. They could give with Sekera, Polak before. Remember, he signed Polak, and we we're like, why? You have yeah. Dylan Hetherington. You don't need that. I don't think – I would – based on his history, I'm not so sure that Jim Nill is just going to plan on Thomas Harley making that spot. I so, think he's going to make him earn it. Do you agree? Because you can always I, trade a guy. I, I agree, but I I agree, but I don't think it's. Here's how I look at them going into next year. Do you do you think they bring in a vet like I do not like a no no hold on. Do you think they bring in a vet on a tryout contract for camp like they did with Scotty Upshaw or the guys before that? Maybe on the defensive side. Maybe, but I just I, to push them in camp. Maybe, but I I think realistically how you look at it is you go into camp next year. You, it's Harley's job to win. Yeah. However, if Harley doesn't win that job, with what Stephen Johns has done tonight, withstanding tonight, he had a rough night. That's yeah, it wasn't the best night. Um, but you look, you have a good top four. You have a bunch of other guys. Gavin Bayreuther can play on your third pair. You have, I think, you have enough in the system right Is now. Is that one of those where you start like that and then look for a, yeah, an add-on? If, if Harley, like to me, I go in with the hope that Harley is that guy. And if not, he can always go back to junior. And if he if he goes back to junior, and I need to find another one. I can go find another defenseman. A, a bottom, a third uh, pairing yes. guy. You can. I mean, look, the stars could do that. So yes. that's possible. Okay, I'll give them that. Um, Jordan writes in: Are you guys allowed to leave work early tonight? LOL. This was two hours ago. Does anyone else want the stars to not make any deals? So we're not allowed to leave early. No. I mean, I could. I probably wouldn't have a job if I just walked out. Yeah. I have to do the post game show, so I can't just leave. Um, yeah, I think there's quite a few people that are pretty content now mm-hmm. with them standing pat. Now, I'm going to pose this because there are a couple questions. Coach Kitchen wrote in. Can, and I was going to bring this up, so I'll, yeah. I'll read this real quick. Convince me where a guy like Joe Thornton would fit in this lineup. I'm still in the stay of the course with the current roster camp, even after tonight's result. An obvious playmaker and veteran presence, but too slow for playoff hockey, question mark. I'm not sure where I stand here. So here's what I want to pose to you. Okay. Two parts. Okay. Uh, A comment and then a question. The comment is, if you are making your trade or not to trade decisions off of tonight's game only, you are not fit to be an NHL general manager. Correct. You have to be way more uh, calm and methodical and thoughtful about things than panic emotional buys can i let me let me, let me interject okay just as as far as yeah, please goes, just to kind of give people an insight into jim nil because i have ridden elevators with jim nil 
all across North America. <laughs> Including to after tonight's game. Because okay. what happens is after each game... Well, he's going down when you are. Yeah, after each game, we get on the elevator, head down to do interviews, and often management is... They're going to the locker room. They're going to the locker room as well. So they're going on that same elevator. And like a night like tonight, Jim Nill, uh, Jeff Reese, Scott White, um, Mark Jenko, we're all on the same elevator as we're headed downstairs. The Braid Trust. Yes. And whether the Stars win or lose... Jim Nill's emotion is the exact same on the elevator. Yes. There are other, there are other, there are others. It may be different within him, but he doesn't show it. But he is, no no matter what, the emotions are always the same. We always have the pleasant hello and goodbye. No matter what, whether they've won, whether they've gone and and shut down and stifled Toronto. Now there's other, like, like Jeff Reese is a little bit more like, Gung ho after they won yep. and stuff like that, but as far as there Jim are Nil others goes, in the group yes, that as, that as, are a little bit different. But as far as Jim Nil goes, everything is even keel the entire time. It's kind of his mo. Yeah. Um, with that being said, yeah, you get a second part. There's, right. The second part is you know this was a question I was going to lead up to. We've heard in the last 24 hours or so mm-hmm. that the stars are kicking the tires on Joe Thornton. Mm-hmm. Now, first and foremost. The Stars should be kicking the tires on everybody in every team in the league. It doesn't mean they should be asking about to, you know, trying to put a deal together. No. Jim Nill's job Mm -hmm. is to kick the tires on everybody and talk to all the GMs, know who's being shopped, who's interested in making a deal, who might be willing to part with this or that, all the time, whether you want to make a move or not, because that's his job. And realistic, realistically, if your NHL GM hasn't called, if if you're an NHL GM yes. and you haven't spoken to or any the, team, if you haven't spoken to the other 30 NHL GMs in the last two days, you should be fired. Yes. Like, if, like seriously, you should be. Or, or if it's not you, it should be one of yes. your assistants, like yes. Scott White or Marchenko. Yeah. A lot of times, those things they might have a, a conversation. Yes. You know, it's it's like let's imagine you're doing foreign relations yeah. and you're part of the State Department. The Secretary of State isn't necessarily making the initial phone call to another country. It might be a back channel between one of the deputies. And one of the, again, deputies of their country's foreign service. And then eventually it gets to the, hey, we've built yes. this up. Now let's get the prime minister and the president or the states, you know, that kind of thing. I just thought of a very funny concept. Okay. Just imagine if there was an all, maybe they have one. Maybe they have one. What if all 31 or 32, maybe Ron Francis is involved. Maybe they have a 32-person NHL GM group chat. Like a Slack? Like No, no, like, a group, like, like a group chat. Like where it's group like, text? Yes, yeah, like, like, like a group text where it's like, <laughs> it's just like your annoying family group text. Where it's <laughs> what if it's like a group email and so guys are sending inappropriate email things? and But it's a group text where, where like 18 or so people are using it for actual real ideas and then some GM is like sending a picture of their dog. Right, <laughs> like, just, or, or other inappropriate yeah. things. And, like, but anyway, the, the question I was going to ask you is, do you see... And if a GM gets fired, like, did Ray Shero get booted out of the... Like, eliminated from the group yeah. text. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think that Joe Thornton is a viable option for the Dallas Stars, whether it's the costs or the probability for success? Um, I think he is a viable option. I think the cost has to be right because I don't think... Um, Someone asked me last week for a, if he would do a second or third for Thornton, and that's no, no, not at all. But if, if I don't I, think he would cost a second but, or but third. If, but if Joe Thornton, if I'm landing Joe Thornton for a fifth round pick, even a conditional, not even a fourth, yeah, or a fourth, yeah, I'm doing that trade actually. Like to me, I, I'm doing that trade. Why? Um, one of the things we saw about this team last year, there's two things. Now he is not nearly as fast or as quick as Matt Zuccarello, but. One of the things we saw is Matt Zuccarello brought more zip to the Stars' passing. Matt Zuccarello added a little bit of that element. I think Thornton can add a little bit of that with his playmaking ability. And I also think as much as – as well as Matias Yamark's been playing lately, I think adding Joe Thornton to your power play – Oh, God, that would be big. Like, I think adding Joe Thornton to the power play – His playmaking ability would be a difference. Yes. And so, to me – But he's not going to play 20 minutes of, of ice time. Jamie Ben plays 14 minutes. Well, he doesn't have like, to. He doesn't have right. to. Like, it's, um, it's... The, the one concern is, is Joe Thornton does not fit into the Stars' defense and checking style, right? Not that he can't play in his own zone, but he is not the most aggressive back-checking player that you can find in the league. Mm-hmm. Does that change, even on one of your lines, does that change how your team plays because you have a guy that – is not the fastest he's ever been because he's in his, what is he, 40, 41? He's 40. But I, 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 to me, um, 
I'm just yeah, I'm giving you devil's advocate because I am interested in Joe Thornton. That's fair, but as long as he's not on a line with Radulov at the same time, you're fine. Okay, fair but in my case, because like like they don't they don't play Radulov in the defensive zone, so it's yeah yeah. Uh, so. Brad wrote in questions. We've sort of covered the basics because he wants to know. He said it's early in the third period, but I feel safe calling this one. Yes, <laughs> but he said seriously, how does a game like this one happen? Blues on a back to back, three key players out, starting their backup. Jake Allen is a really good backup, but. Um, when he's on, at least. Mm-hmm. First in conference on the line, stars get curb stumped. Did the guys go drinking last night? That's really why I want to ask the question. I don't believe they did. I don't think they did. I know a lot of them. I talked to a bunch of them today. A lot of them watched the St. Louis-Arizona game, actually. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, but I couldn't. Yeah, so. Um, Katie wrote in, are we that bad or are they that good? I don't think. Neither. Quite, neither. neither. I think that was, neither. they played well, we didn't, and it looked bad. Mm-hmm. White Monkey 88, new gloves, skipping a practice, just a case of the yips maybe. How do you explain that horrendous loading we saw tonight? I don't know loading's the right word. The right word. Uh, here's the thing. That's the last time we'll see the Winter Classic uniform. And those gloves aren't new. I mean, they've worn them before. No, but yeah. no, but she, I think they're saying getting new gloves. or What do you do to get out of that? Um, oh. But here's what I'm saying. The Stars will never wear the Winter Classic uniform for a game again, mm-hmm. uh, at least not this year. Maybe someone, someone did give me an interesting idea that I thought was kind of neat. And I'll tell you what, it was successful outdoors. They yeah. lost both indoor games of the. I Winter know, Classic but someone someone, okay. someone gave me an interesting theory on Twitter that I think is interesting in theory. I don't know if it would work because the logistics are kind of sticky because there's the because it's not it's a, it's it's a different if you if you have a Winter Classic jersey or you've seen it up close the numbering's different. It's not something that's as easy as the typical jersey. Um, the pants, it requires a whole other type of equipment order just with the setup. However, someone did bring up, um, wouldn't it be kind of cool just, hey, what if we bring these out just for new, the New Year's Eve game every year? It's an interesting idea. Yeah, like, I like that idea in theory. I don't know if the logistics are... I don't are, think they're going to do that. Here's I, the yeah. thing. You talked about this earlier. Yeah. We brought this up yeah. on the post-game show that was asked a question about alternate jerseys. Yeah. The Stars are not going to have their – if they do a third jersey next year or the year after, I don't know if they have it in the works for next year, but I'm sh- I'm positive they're working on it for the future. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? I think they may be in the mix to get one. I mean, it's I, possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I can't speak for it yeah. Uh, yeah. truthfully, yeah. Uh, but I'm presuming. It's not – you said this to me before, and you're absolutely right. It's not going to be a almost carbon copy of the Winter Classic yeah. jersey because – Third jerseys are about jersey sales. That's what they are, yeah. It's not about, well, we just want to have this look. Now, I think if you took the Dallas, the D stars from the Winter Classic logo, and you put that on an all-black jersey, that white-black contrast would look great. I don't but like here's all-black, but here, yeah, yeah, I yeah, do, yeah. but you can, whatever. Yeah. But I don't think the stars are going to do that because I don't think they want it to look just like the Winter Classic. Yeah. So I Bruce brought this up, too. He doesn't think the Winter Classic crest logo in the middle would be used as the new alternate for third jersey because that's what the Winter Classic was, and they want to keep that mm-hmm. unique. He may be right there. He could but be. But it, it needs to be different enough so that it drives people to say, I don't have that jersey. Yes, I I, I, I bought a Winter Classic jersey, but I also but need, I need this, this one, one as well. Because yeah, this yeah. one's cool and yeah. different. and. So. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galapagos. Well, that was a bad game, considering it was the anniversary of the Stars beating the Blues. I hope it'll be us getting the last laugh this year. Anniversary. Did we beat the Blues in February last year? I don't know. Uh, or beating in the... I don't know what. Anyway, Carcass question. I see quite a few kit, kilts at AAC. Kilts. Kilts? What are your thoughts on kilts? And would Sean prefer a kilt or the schoolboy outfit? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Wow, that's a that's a well. Yes, you because, absolutely would wear a kilt before you wear the schoolboy yes, outfit. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I would wear a kilt. Yeah, if it was provided with a good one. Uh, I would love to have the plaid and uh, a sporin, which is the basically the Scottish version of a fanny pack from the day. There have been kilts at the AAC. Who's wearing kilts? I haven't seen kilts. I haven't seen a kilt. If you're listening, Galpagus, please give us information as to where you have been viewing said kilts. Yeah. And uh, send photographic yeah, evidence. I, have ne- I haven't seen kilts. Jordan writes in, who is Tom Holy? Tom Holy is the vice president of public relations and broadcasting for the Dallas Stars. So he's the head of the PR department, and this year he's now overseeing the broadcasting for TV and radio. Anything else you want to add? I mean, no, that's, he's that's, involved that's, that's, in a that's lot. That's the answer. <laughs> uh, Calgary Puck. 
Stars really suffer against any forecheck. Okay. Any? Um, no, that's not. Okay. No ability to carry the puck. Chip it out and chip it in and chase. Little playmaking skill. One of the best 10 stick handlers on the ice, only Klingberg and Haskinen are on the list. And the Stars system is a, is at fault. Do you have any comments about that? Um, and, or do you have enough time to make comments about that? I don't I mean, it's... I mean, we, Every we, team struggles we, with forecheck pressure. We, Some we, are better than others we, at killing it. We accept comments and everything like that, but there was... Yes, the Stars struggled. The stars were just bad tonight. The Stars are bad tonight. I mean, this is not the definition of what the Stars are, and the system... Does not. This team is the second best team in the Western Conference. Right. Like, like it's it's not like it's I know they're, they're, they're bad on the fortune. They lost five to one tonight, but yes, they lost five to one tonight. Yes, but this team has the second best record in the Western Conference. Matt writes in Matt Roberts, who we play Sevy hockey with sometimes. Mm-hmm. Let's say that Matthews or Ovechkin end up on the Stars for whatever reason. Okay. Are they still forty plus goal scorers in this system? Alternatively, would Ben slash Sagan have a similar success if they were to swap roles with either of them? No, because Ben and Sagan aren't as good as Austin Matthews and Alex Ovechkin. Now or ever? You're trying to put me in a tough spot here, aren't you? Uh, I'm just, well, I, I think um, that's a pretty bold claim, and they've as Tyler well, Sagan's in his tenth year in the but league. But let me let me put it this way. Okay, here, let me really phrase this properly. Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have never been the goal scorers Austin Matthews and Alex Ovechkin are. Really? Sagan? 40 goal scorer? They've never been the goal scorers. Okay, they all have, right. They, I, I, mean, would, I, would, I, would argue, I would argue if you're looking at them at their peaks as overall players, they've been better. There's a difference between the Washington Capitals and Ovechkin and Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not the similar teams. No, they're Tor- not. Washington has won, and they know how to win, yeah. and certain things to what they need to do to win. Yeah. I was just listening to a really interesting podcast that Tyler Sagan was on this week. Uh, today, it was the Darren Drager, Ray Ferraro. I need to uh, listen to it's, that. It's, yeah. they're, they're a fun duo. Uh, it's interesting, and they had Sagan on for a little bit, which was great. But one of the things they were kind of bemoaning about Toronto, it was right after, uh, so it was a couple days ago, yeah. Toronto had just gotten crushed by Pittsburgh, yeah. in Pittsburgh, and they had the rematch two nights later in Toronto, and, and of course, the after the fact it was Toronto won four four nothing four one. Think four one. They had a nice response, but they were really getting called out because they got annihilated in yeah. Pittsburgh, embarrassed, and they were saying that some of the 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 sources through the Maple Leafs were saying that players are a little too concerned with their personal offense and not what they're doing the little things to win the details. Now the Stars have talked about that. They actually brought that up with Tyler Sagan about you know. You know, the thought president, Tyler said, look, it's fun to win. He goes, yeah. I want to do whatever it is to win first. If it means not thinking just goal, score goals, he goes, "That's I, I will do what it takes because winning is great. But so, my point was Tyler Sagan is a goal scorer, but he is not a goal scorer to the extent Austin Matthews and Alexander Ovechkin are goal scorers. Yeah, I mean, I also think that he's evolved over the last three or four years so that he's not cheating for breakaways as much. He's not uh, just thinking one-timer on the power play, although I think they should use that more. Mm-hmm. Um, still, they don't use it enough because he still has they an don't e- use it enough, elite no. one-timer. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you're right. There's, it, It's a different – I mean, Austin Matthews has done things in his first couple years – uh, as far as goal scoring, which is pretty darn remarkable. And, and you can't compare to Ovechkin's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Yeah, that's... Uh, Jet writes in, by the way, we're inside the call for questions okay, now. Gotcha. Jamie mentioned not playing a team game, and Bones, Bonus said that no one was prepared. How does this happen where everything is going along swimmingly? The next, it looks like there's no one in this organization has ever met each other. So... I, I'm going to make a comment about post-game comments right Please. now. Please. I think you're – I know exactly I have a com- These post-game comments mean nothing. I like, just to be just to be frank. Do you think it's just lip service? It's not just – I mean, the players, it's, well, why, what went wrong? Well, we were we, – we got showed up. We need to play better. Or, or it, it's – It's post, cliched. The, the post-game comments tonight were useless to me. Like, just just frankly, like, like the one that was most fascinating to me, though, was Rick Bonus saying we didn't prepare them well enough. That's the only one of real use to me in general. Like what the players said. I actually the, thought it was interesting that he said that I didn't prepare them well enough, and they didn't yes. prepare themselves. Well, that's the exact. That's the that's exact. In that's both the, part. Yeah, I, that's the exact. Usually, a coach will say, 
Mm-hmm. I didn't do a good enough job. Like Monty used to say this yeah. a lot. I need to do a better job coaching. And then he would leave it at that. And leave it. And I like the fact that Bones said both yeah. because he's taking blame, but he's also saying, look, it's on them too. We're all to blame yeah. for this. No, And so after a game like that, and, and this is just kind of a – it's a flaw within the thing. We want an immediate reaction to thing. And yes. A lot, and, and Why a lot, didn't you play better? And a lot of times it's – we're not getting real answers. Oh, well, they're a good team and we didn't we didn't show up. Yeah, like it's – the postgame comments to me from the players are pretty useless in this in the, after this game. You get a few nuggets once in a while, and but you're right. right. A lot but, of times but they it's lose, the same but, old but, crap. Especially when a team loses 5-1, to one, it's completely useless. Yeah, you just unless, – Unless someone blows – unless especially – Especially when you're getting players like Jamie Benn and John Klingberg and Blake Combo, the three we spoke to after the game, who have spoken after losses before and know how to, and they know they're almost on autopilot. They're almost right? on autopilot. Where unless because you're not getting the only time a post game stuff is 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 really good post game is when you get someone actually showing their emotion. I'm thinking of. Anton Hudobin last year when we were in Boston. Yep. He's like, how do we handle this? And we have like, to be more angry. we got to get mad. He's like, more angry. I have to maybe go break a stick, say some swear words. Like, right. Typically, though, most guys post-game are – they're going off a script. That Like, there's there's a great clip last year. Um, there's a great clip last year from – I think it was the ESPN series Road to the Stanley Cup, I think, that they were doing, that they had some inside access that the NHL people were doing. Um, I don't remember. But it's it's after one of the games in either Nashville or first round or second round against St. Louis. Yeah, Jim, I think we, I remember what you were talking about. Where Jim Montgomery says to the guys after the game, says, great game, guys. Uh, media's coming in. Let's not let's not give them too much. Right. He literally says that He's on camera. He's actually letting them know, remember, said, don't say much to the press, so, because we don't want to give the other team bulletin board material. Yes. That's what we, it is. We don't want to give them bulletin board material, and we don't want to – we've already lost – what else are we going to do? We don't like, like... It would be entertaining, although probably counterproductive for the team culture, for a player to come out and go, you know what? Did you see that guy mess up three yeah. times tonight? That wasn't real great, was it? And even Rick Bonus, after his comment of, like, I didn't prepare them well enough, they didn't prepare themselves well enough, then about two sentences later said, we're not going to go pick it on guys. You know that in Rick Bonus's mind... He said, you, he he, said this out loud. Yeah. You guys know we're a much better team than yes. this. But no, but he also said, I'm not going to pick on guess You know that in Rick Bonus's mind. Oh, he has guys. There are guys. Oh, that, yeah. There, there are guys who either, they may he may even be talking to them tonight. Every coaching staff after a game, win or lose, will go, hey, uh, 14 was great tonight. Yeah. 91 wasn't very good. Or, hey, yeah. I really didn't like this guy. Or, I didn't like that guy. Or, boy, this guy was great. Yeah. Or, terrible or wow, you know what? They do that every single. Hey, did you see Pollock tonight? Yeah. Wasn't he incredible, right? Yeah. Or oh, this guy made me want to vomit. Yeah. Right. That's they do it constantly, like yeah. just like the fans do. Except for the difference is, is the coaches have tons of experience, mm-hmm. but they also have the one thing that the fans don't have. They know what they're asking of the players. Yeah. We think we get because we're watching them a lot we think we yeah. get some ideas but only the people in the room know exactly what the game plan is where the coaches say you need to be here you need to do this you need to do this thing and you also hockey's so fluid sometimes you have to let the players play and there have been players before that i've talked to players before who they've thought they've played there's players who maybe played a recent game and talked about their game and i may have thought they didn't play that well right. and they think and and they did what the coach asked them to do and they and for them it went well or vice versa where I've talked to guys who I thought they played really well and they didn't do something the coach asked them and so they were so it's it's, yep. it's a it's a fascinating dynamic that is it's rarely peeled back because they work so hard to protect that. Jason wrote in why just why that's the question. Sam wrote in was there a game tonight? <laughs> um, stars. 24-7 wrote, do you think the loss will initiate a trade like the Carolina loss did last year? Here's the thing. The Carolina loss initiated a trade last right, year? No, here's the thing. The only reason a game, a bad game performance would initiate a trade is if the, for any team, Stars or whatever, had a plan in place, because trades don't usually materialize last second, but they have this growing feeling over time that they have a hole in their game, something that they're missing in their team. So you won't play St. Louis once and go, oh, my God, we don't have enough to beat this team. We need so-and-so, okay? 
in the non-salary cap world, there might have been emotional reactions yeah, from yeah, GMs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's fun at trade deadline time, but also terrible usually moves. Mm-hmm. The only reason would be as if this was the final straw of a whole bunch of buildup to get to this point, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stars have been playing really good hockey. Yeah. So, again, we talked about this before. No knee-jerk reactions because that's no way to run a business or a hockey team. And it's similar to – I had a conversation tonight with – someone from the Stars organization in the scouting realm, because all of the Star Scouts are here now. All of the Star Scouts are in-house. Yes. Everyone's here because that's this is that's when they get everyone together before the trade deadline. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because of the next question. And, You'll see. And I was talking to someone, and we were talking about scouting assignments and what what's the appropriate amount as a media member you should react to someone scouting or anything like that. And they said, and, and this person said to me, he said, if you have to watch a player – on February 18th to decide whether he's good for your system or not, you haven't done your job at all. How would you not know yeah. by now? Yes. And, right. so, and so any player that is a scouted target to the trade, if you're thinking about it as, as a for a stars thing, and this is why um, this is why as, as a buyer, I rare, it's hard to read into what our scouting assignments. Sellers is actually more interesting to me because, like, yes. so like the Detroit Red Wings have been scouting Dallas a little more heavily and the Texas Stars a little more heavily, which is – that is actually something more because, hey, we're selling, we're willing to, to throw – So we in. need to know what might be offered back to us. Yes. Or what and can so, we get but, for these pieces? But if you're in the buyer market – it's not like – okay, let's just say – because I don't think Ilya Kovalchuk is a, is a fit here, just for example. Would so, you take Thornton over Kovalchuk? Yes, I would. But I don't think – I don't I think, think I would too. But just – I'm just using him as a – so if you think that anything Ilya Kovalchuk did in Montreal when the Stars were there the other night, like it's not like having one scout's going to all of a sudden call Jim Nill up. Montreal, hey, did you see this he's, guy? He's, it's like, hey, oh, wow, we have to get him right now. No, that's not going to make no. the Stars straight for him. So um, – would Jim Nill have had a conversation with Mark Bergevin, or would Mark Janko or Scott White talk to one of their assistants, assistant GMs, about, hey, are you going to move Kovalchuk? What are you looking at for a yeah, possible I mean, break? It wouldn't be doing their jobs if they weren't. We exactly, talked about yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff Odom, this is why I was laughing. So Jeff Odom, our buddy oh, from the Dallas Stars. Ask him how much he pays for a haircut. How much do you pay for your haircut, Owen? <laughs> That's his question. Is there an inside joke that I have heard? Oh, my God. How much do you pay for a haircut? Okay. Because um, I know how much Jeff pays for a haircut. Okay. All right. I'm going to answer two questions here. The first part is is that I grew up with the teachings of it's not super proper to talk about money, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like that, whether it's how much you make or how much you pay. But I will divulge that for a while in Dallas, I was paying sort of the minimum I could find, okay. right? Was in the fifteen dollar haircut range, and wasn't real happy with. I would be, you know, you go to the place like the uh, one of the chains, mm-hmm. but one of the the chains where it's cheaper, and you would get sort of a revolving door of stylists, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. You find one and go, yeah, this one's good. Mm-hmm. I could keep coming this one. The problem is the next time you go, that one's yeah. not working there anymore or gone or whatever. So uh, not too long ago, I finally bit the bullet and said, I'm going to upgrade a little bit. So okay. I think I've gone up to like the 25 range plus tip. Okay. So it's probably 30 bucks now. That's, that's of, about what I pay for hair. That's about what I pay for hair. And the thing is, is that I have noticed a substantial difference between the cheapest. You get what you pay for, yeah. a cheap haircut. Yeah. I'm not in there paying 60, 70 bucks for some ridiculous thing. But I think that little bit extra has really paid off because I don't have those spots where you go in front of the mirror and go, oh, they missed that, or there's a wave in the face, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm not obsessed with my hair, but I do like it. I mean, there are some stuff I have to do on television where I'm doing uh, either a, we did a Stars Insider segment recently, uh, FC Dallas, got some TV games coming up. Got to make it look at least presentable. Yeah. Okay, your turn. I pay like 25 bucks a haircut. Okay. Uh, Jeff Odom pays seventy dollars a haircut. Good God, Jeff! Good for you. <laughs> um, Brian Ray, sixty-five dollars. We. Uh, what salary we, level am I? We. Well, uh, okay. Neither one of those guys have children, so I and, will preface it with: and, I would probably spend more on ancillaries if I didn't have two kids. <laughs> and four dogs and a fish that I don't anyway, want, and, we, and chickens. And so we reached out. We reached out to Brian okay. and Se- I texted Sevy during the game too. Sevy only. Re- I'll show you how Sevy how Sevy responded. Um, 
Chevy, I actually asked him when I first got to Dallas, hey, where do you get your haircut? Oh, I go to Great Clips. This is what I got from Seve as a response. How much do you pay for your haircut? Wow, they both? <laughs> wow. Middle fa- By the way, for yeah. those that don't know, both Seve and Brian sent a picture <laughs> of them in one one photo, middle fingers flipping off Sean. And, of course, earlier in that same conversation, he said... Is this in the middle of the game? This is the middle of the game. Clearly, He's, the game was yes. riveting tonight. He said... He said, you're clearly too bored right now. Watch the game. You just maybe missed the star 17th shot by <laughs> texting me about this. Good shot. So thank you, Jeff. That's one of the better questions of the night. Um, you're paying too much, Jeff. 70 bucks. I mean, uh, we had a conversation about skin tone and 10, really, because Jeff is a pretty fair. Yeah. fair. I mean, uh, if, if you want another wormhole that we're not going to go down, how many... Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the question is, is Jeff, are you happy with your haircut? If you are, then seven, fine. Pay whatever. But yeah, the other fun conversation Wormhole added tonight is how many seventy? Fuck, how many woo. decorative pillows does one have? Which is another. You're talking one. about on your the bed you sleep on, on or bed, just in general? On in the, the bed house. you sleep on, but that's that's a conversation for another day because it's too much of a wormhole. Let's keep going. Oh my god, I want to answer that. <laughs> Christian wrote in, "How bad is it when you realize that the highlighted game tonight was the snack words cam?" Then he asked about bonus pulling Bishop. Was it too early yeah, or not? Yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah. We already talked about that. Uh, was the snack words cam the highlight of the game? He knows. Um, Christian text, uh, tweeted me earlier and said, "I know it's your big fan, snack words cam." I actually was in the middle of tweeting about. A goal uh, was it the uh, it was the Pareko goal, and then they played the Snackers cam. I so I didn't catch it because I was looking down. So. It was uh, it had to do with the Nacho cam, yeah, but I in reverse. I didn't catch it. Was, it was funny. Yeah. And then they showed a St. Louis guy like dipping the chip yeah. like seven times in a row. And yeah, uh, I do think I, I didn't get a good look at this one, so I can't say it for sure. But I do like the Snackers cam, the organic Ooh, one. This better. is a dirty one. You ready for the this? The organic. Oh my God, where are we going? Not dirty. Yeah, it's yeah. just funny. Stars Potter 12. Sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, are your spouses very knowledgeable about hockey? And if so, who thinks their spouse knows more? You're asked, okay, either you're not married or you think that we really, or, okay, two things. You think our wives are not listening to the car cast, which I know mine is not. Mine is not either. So you probably get away with it. Or you think that we don't care if we throw shots at them. Yeah, we're not answering this question. You don't want to. You don't want to go there. No, I don't okay. want to go there. Um, I mean, I will say the one thing that it, it's been interesting to see is my wife has gone from someone who knew nothing about sports at all okay. and then married a sports writer. My wife so. was an athlete, uh, high school, early college, where she played softball and volleyball. She was also a cheerleader in between that too, but not like the on the sidelines of the football game, it was like the competitive, you know, like they do the oh, yeah. competitions and stuff. That was their stuff. The The basketball games or the, the football games, she said, were like their practices, you know. It wasn't the big deal. I don't know. I wasn't really big into the, the whole cheerleading thing back then. But um, she is a sports fan that has probably gotten to be – she's pretty competitive. But she is not a big hockey fan. I think that she would – probably be more of a baseball fan she i think she would love it if i worked in baseball because she likes going to baseball games more but she wouldn't because of how many baseball yeah, she games wouldn't, there are. she wouldn't like the and schedule. she knows that yeah she wouldn't like the schedule right no like my, my wife has was gone from being knowing nothing about sports to she married a sports writer um and she's learned quite a bit about the game it's interesting because her perspective of the game, and you know this, you're actually the person who hired her to work for the Texas Stars. I did. Um, yeah, she a, shot as, the as game. As a photographer, she was someone who went from knowing nothing. And she no- did very yeah, well. And yeah, and she went from so knowing nothing about it to kind of getting a inside access point that very few people ever get. My God, I wish I could have sat, sat between there. In between. And so, you know what you should have done? I didn't think about it at yeah. the time. We should have dressed you up as a photographer. <laughs> you should have just gone and sat between the benches and just recorded and listened to all yeah. of it. And pretend to shoot because pictures, right? Because there have things. I will say there are things that I have learned about hockey from the the uh, the on ice interactions yes. that I learned. I've learned about from my wife because of that vantage. Yeah, like oh, by the way, this guy said this or this. Yes, yeah. And great perspective. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Ardell, is Jamie Ben ever happy? Too many Blues fans in the AAC tonight. Do we blame the sensible laws and vibrant Texas economy? Do Stars fans ever show up like that for road games? 
Um, there was some pretty good. There was the Canadian trip was pretty solid, wasn't it? Some stars, yeah, stars but the, the New York, um, the New York, oh, yeah, yeah, the New York, one. the New York one was really okay. good. There was New York. The New York one was a uh, Brooklyn felt like a Stars home game during the anthem. Um, there was a good amount of Stars fan at the uh, the New Jersey game, and I'm sure it's stung for a bunch of them because that was the game the Devils did their ninety their uh, two thousand Stanley Cup uh, reunion setup. Yeah, that was um, interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean the other thing is St. Louis has always had a good contingency of fan base. There's kind of two things that it goes back to. One, they're an older franchise. Um, the other thing is. I don't even think they're on there anymore, which just kind of makes this funny to say this, but the, the KMOX effect. Like, there used to be, before there was an NHL team in Dallas, the Blues were on KMOX, and they're still, and I think they're now on 101 or something like that, ESPN there. But they were on a signal that was so strong. Str- there was, there was they were on a signal where you could get a, you could get the St. Louis game on the air in well, Dallas. Well, nobody else was in the region, right? No, you, he, That's what I mean. Like, I'm talking like three years ago. No, I... Even three years ago, like, like really, you could, like you could even then, you could get at night, you could get the camo okay. si- signal. Well, I'm thinking yeah. before the stars came here, yeah, right? The yes. Blues sort of had that lower Midwest, yes. and south, so, and so they've always, nobody was even close. And then, and then there's obviously the recency of Stanley Cup bump, which is yeah, is, they're good yeah. tending champs. So yeah, and that happens just like Chicago. Yeah, travels well and blah blah blah. Uh, last one, Court. How much fresh seafood is it going to take for me to drown this game? Full disclosure, Court texted, or tweeted me earlier tonight and said that she was not going to be at the game because she was landing in Maine. Ooh. Obviously, that's where I'm from. Yes, yeah. Tons of great seafood if you're a seafood fan, which is funny enough, growing up on the coast of Maine, I'm not. That's so weird. It is weird. It's I so wish weird. I liked it more. I like the so weird, weird stuff, too. I like squid. I'm Mussels for- aren't bad. I don't like fit, most fish. I used to, I ate tuna a lot as a kid, like tuna fish sandwich. You know, the you mix it with mayo or uh, cottage cheese or something like that. I got a good seafood trip next week. Yeah, Carol- you're going Carolina and Boston. Is Carolina seafood? Um, they're not couple, that far from the outer banks, I guess. Good, there's a couple good places, it, but it's it's close enough where the, you know the stuff is fresh. It's coming, but I mean yeah, Boston yeah, yeah. is oh, yeah, yeah. really oh, yeah. because it's you're right on the water. Yeah. And you get a lot of stuff from the guys up in Gloucester, which is just mm-hmm. north of Boston and the Cape, and but yeah. yeah, Maine you can get all sorts of fresh stuff. So, mm-hmm. good lord, Sean, our our uh, lightning rounds are getting out of hand. It is. It is. Hey. But I'm excited. You know why? Why? Because we have a brunch media meal coming up on Sunday. There because you go. Because the 2 o'clock stars Blackhawks, which means 11.30, 12 o'clock media dining. Mm-hmm. So we can hit up the eggs, brunch, whatever it is. I usually do the uh, the French toast dessert thing, which is basically yeah. French toast with syrup. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but that's what they yeah. put in the dessert yes. section. Yeah. Uh, I'm always a big fan. Always, always in the mood for breakfast food. I think, wish they did the breakfast tacos, which they haven't done, because they used to do that in, in uh, Cedar Park, though. No, they did. That was Remember, great. it yeah. was the waffles and breakfast for dinner, breakfast they, tacos and muffins. Muffins were too, yeah. Bacon, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, sausage. I love breakfast food. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if everybody likes this, but I know that that we, I'm a, I could eat breakfast for any of the meals, mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Although I still think that my favorite time to eat breakfast is probably dinner. Uh, that and I'm not usually a big early morning big breakfast guy. And the late night, like breakfast late night, is great. Oh, like, like if you're if you're coming after a, a fun night out and you want to eat at two a.m. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's that's probably the only time I would go to Denny's is his his uh, inebriated at mm. between two to three in the morning or or the uh, the uh, Waffle House. Waffle House. Yeah, why would you eat it in the middle of the day when there's better options? Yeah.